These days, there are definitely a lot of disruptions, cancellations, and new realities that we're facing. And there are many, many people who have given sacrificially and for whom we are profoundly grateful. Teachers and administrators are navigating uncharted waters in the last few months and moving us into this world of distant learning, all the while juggling their own family and personal needs. In the second part of our four-part series called Going the Distance, Keith McCurdy is back to offer practical words of encouragement that are helpful to school leaders and parents alike. Stay tuned for this episode of Basecamp Live. Mountains, we all face them as we seek to influence the next generation. Get equipped to conquer the challenges, summit the peak, and shape exceptionally thoughtful, compassionate, and flourishing human beings. We call it Ancient Future Education for Raising the Next Generation. Welcome to Basecamp Live. Now your host, Davies Owens. Well, Keith McCurdy, welcome back to Basecamp Live. How are you? Oh, doing great. Thanks for having me back. It seems like it was just the other day. It was, in fact, just the other day. In fact, we are in the midst of a four-part series um, that uh, is on this t- idea of going the distance. And I can't think of anybody better than you to come and help us think through kind of our sanity and our mental health and our uh, and our courage to get through this very unique and challenging season we're, that we're in. So well, it's, I, I, I think it's a it's a great topic, and it's about a lot of people we really care about. Yeah, the kids and the teachers and the families and exactly. So if you somehow missed it and you didn't catch part one, um, unlike a a movie series, I guess you can jump around and the plot doesn't get messed up. So you could go back and listen to uh, part one if you've listened to this one first. But we talked uh, in part one about uh, going the distance with grammar school children and the unique challenges there. Today we're going to look at this uh, very important group of people we call teachers. And administrators, and then we're going to look at next uh, next week. Do two parts more, continuing on with um, upper school level teachers. I mean, with students, uh, college kids coming home included, and then this thing we call marriage uh, and how that's surviving this uh, very long pandemic. So, Keith, I am curious. What if people don't know you? You are probably one of the most um, front front of the line, if you will, right up there in the world of sorting out the challenges people are facing in the midst of this pandemic. You have been, you know, working in the area of uh, Christian counseling and marriage therapist as president and CEO of Total Life Counseling for over 30 years. And now I think the line out your door is probably longer than ever. Is that true? Yeah, it's, we, we're pretty busy right now. We've even switched to uh, teletherapy for a few weeks where everything is remote, but uh, we are still staying very full. Yeah, I'm sure you uh, are. Yeah, yeah. A lot of st- different stressors than a few weeks ago, but sure. still a lot of stressors out there, right? Yeah. Now. Well, you know, I want to, and I want to just kind of by way of setting up this uh, discussion around teachers and administrators, give a thank you and a shout out to uh, Sheila Mc, uh, Daniel or Daniel. She's uh, Chief Operating Officer at Covenant Christian Academy in Colleyville, Texas. And I thank you, Sheila, for emailing us, info at basecamplive.com. We encourage anyone listening to. Uh, give us a shout out just to say hello, but it's also good to know what's on your mind. And Sheila said, you know what's on my mind? She says in her in her email, due to your podcast and hearing Keith McCurdy um, at ACCS, we had him here last month to speak to our faculty, students, and parents. He was awesome. By the way, Keith, I just wanted you to know that she said that. Um, <laughs> right. She said, I just listened to the, uh, the, the uh, March 20th podcast and thought it would be helpful to have him address teachers and administrators during this challenging time of moving uh, moving to distant learning, missing their students, dealing with stress, et cetera, et cetera. And I think Sheila, you're right on the spot about that. Um, yeah, that's a great topic. Yeah, I, I'm seeing that every day as I deal with teachers that come in my office. So you're actually having teachers 
say, I got to come see you, Keith. I'm, I'm really struggling here. So this is a, it's a, it's real. you're, you can pinpoint it to teachers. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have teachers that come in and if I've already been working with them for some other reason, their main focus right now is dealing with this. But I also have many teachers that have reached out just because of this, because this, you know, this change for them is significant. It's a little different than possibly some other professions, because in this profession, they have such a personal connection and contact with their students and families. Uh, and sometimes I think we forget just how significant that is. Well, and that really, it's just to, again, set this up, of course, as classical Christian educators, we're not just pushing information out. We're not just the Khan Academies, you know, the, the sage on the stage thing, hopefully. We're actually engaging right. in soul formation and character development and, and shaping the affections. And that's that's a very life-on-life uh, life, uh, experience, and it's different now. It is. It is really different now. You know, it's interesting to me, uh, an example that points out just how strong that connection is between teacher and students. I had a, a student in my office beginning of this week, and I think I may have, we, you and I may have already talked about this a little bit, but a uh, student came in and we were talking about how school was going from some, you know, distance learning. And, and this is a student in a Christian classical school. And uh, the student said, you know, my teacher is so cool. <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, why is your teacher so cool? And it had nothing to do with the lessons, nothing to do with, uh, you know, curriculum. It was the fact that the teacher set up a time for their whole class to be in on a Zoom call for no other reason than to talk about all the things they're doing in their families right now, just to laugh and to chat. And it was so meaningful for this student to have that interaction driven by their teacher. Love it. And that's, again, where we're going to talk about just some of those unique ways that we can continue to preserve that connection because it definitely right. needs to be there. But I think just to, as, you know, again, we talk about, uh, we in general, a lot of gratitude going out these days to first responders and people on the front line of, of the medical world. Absolutely. But, you know, teachers, administrators, you, you know, you, you guys are right there in terms of being on the front line and first responding. And, that, and that's not just me saying it. We see a lot of people acknowledging that it's tough and it's something Maybe. that that we definitely want to use this episode to be an encouragement to you. And it was interesting, just, uh, you know, I've been joking, Keith, about kind of, we got BC and AD, so there's like P, you know, uh, a BP before the pandemic, and hopefully an a AP is coming after the pandemic. But before the pandemic, it was interesting, just, you know, I did a little research, just the, the profession of teaching. And of course, we're talking, you know, broadly, not just classical Christian, but uh, one report in January of 2020, just this year, said 94% of middle school teachers are stressed at such high levels of stress uh, that they are, you know, having to, it's impacting their, their teaching ability and their lives. I mean, at 94%, and Gallup oh, in yeah. 2015 said 70% of teachers are, dis, quote, disengaged, and this is really interesting, by primarily by what they called trauma and battle fatigue. <laughs> so I'm thinking... <laughs> Hopefully, if you're in a classical Christian school, maybe you wouldn't frame it quite that harshly. But, right. but before we even hit a pandemic, we were already acknowledging this is no uh, light call of duty. It's a significant work that God calls you to to lead schools and teach. And so uh, let's jump into this. Any, just again, by way of introduction, what are some other things? And I know parents are listening, thinking, how can I support yeah. teachers in this? What are things that maybe some of us who aren't teachers might not be thinking about is causing the challenges. Obviously the transition Wait. to distant learning is one of them you mentioned. So, yeah, you know, I love the, the BP before pandemic. Uh, <laughs> I might have to steal that. Yeah, you go ahead. Um, you know, I think if, if we think before all of this, uh, just the community of teachers we have already and the stress they are under, 
uh, is amazing to me. I mean, I think about more than half of teachers prior to this were getting less than six hours of sleep a night. You know, if, if someone came to me and said, gosh, you know, I, I create depression in me, I'd say stop sleeping eight hours a night. <laughs> yeah. You know, sleep five or six hours a night for about three weeks. Guess what? You'll either be anxious or depressed. Um, but I think that, you know, the ongoing demands of teachers in general, which their audience, students, typically are rarely fully bought into the idea of being educated anyway. Uh, and, and then the secondary audience, audience which is parents, uh, is another group that teachers are very concerned about. Uh, you know, are they pleased with what I'm doing? Are they happy with how I'm educating their child? So those pressures have always been there. And, and I, you know, I, I think especially in the Christian classical world, you know, you think about the three of the biggest things that come together in the Christian classical world that create stress that we worry about, where we're dealing with people's children, their faith, and their money. It's the holy and trifecta. <laughs> It, it is. It's the holy trifecta. Yeah. And so when you think about that, uh, and, and that's, you know, speaking for, as a parent who has had two children classically educated, uh, you, you know, it's, it's a significantly powerful mix. And the burden of that also is stress. Yeah. That's and right. I think our teachers have been under that for years. Yeah. So let's move again. I no short shortage of examples of the stress. And, and I, I want to get to some of the suggestions and recommendations. And I, I kind of laugh because literally about 30 minutes before we started this interview, my son, who's a senior, came in and said, Dad, our, our online uh, math class, I'm a senior in high school, is uh, a teacher emailed and said she's having tech issues in her house, couldn't Wi-Fi wouldn't work, and we'd have to cancel class. And then 15 minutes later, she came back and said, well, actually, I think it might work. Uh, we'll just see what we can do. And then she came back and she canceled it again. So I'm thinking, this is just my son running around. The poor teacher is just you know, it, it's in no doubt trying to figure out, can I even make it work much less execute my classroom? Oh, so, well, right. But he, even reverse that, let's say it's a teacher of a high school class that has 15 students in it. And the teacher is getting five emails per class on the students end. my tech isn't working. Right. So now you're, now I mean, you're just, now you're a geek, magnified. you're the geek squad person on top of being that. Yeah. All right. So right. probably we can, well, we, yeah, keep going. Well, let me give you a great example. I, I, okay. I had a teacher come in earlier this week, uh, a foreign language teacher, local public system. And this was their uptake, uh, the way they took off on this digital media. They were told by their school system, in essence, we're going to take everything we do in the classroom and we're going to put it online digitally. And our students are just going to be plugged in six hours a day. And that's how we're going to perform. That makes perfect sense, Keith. It does. And, <laughs> and, I said, and I said to her, I said, what was your first thought? And she said, I think my principal has a death wish. Yeah. Well, and, and it lasted literally about three days and revolts from teachers, revolts from parents. Uh, it, was, it, it was burning everybody out in the first few days. Sure. And it's so I asked her, I, I said, so what, what part of this are you on? She said, we're about the fourth try to figure this out, yeah. a healthy way to yeah. do it. So with that in mind, let's jump us into some solutions. What can we do if we're teaching and feeling all this? What's, what's your first word of advice? You know, I think the first thing we have to do is, is be realistic about what we're what we're jumping into. This is it would be very different if this was October and we were looking at we're going to design a whole school year around this. Uh, we would be concerned about introducing a lot of new material, how we're going to introduce new concepts and things like that. I, I think it's a blessing. This is at the end of the school year. 
And I think we have to be realistic that this is a time to engage, but not necessarily to accomplish what we would be accomplishing at the same rate in the classroom. Mm. And I think to do that, the first thing I would look at for teachers is really, you know, number one is the idea of grace. And I have, you know, I've heard a lot of this and I've read several things about the understanding of really showing grace to our students. But that's one part of this, understanding the obstacles they have of trying to learn now from the cl- uh, taking from the classroom and doing it online and not having the teacher right there with them. But I'll tell you, there's a bigger part of that grace. And for the teacher, it's really giving themselves grace, you know, not falling into what we often do in the Christian classical world of being you know, our perfectionistic tendencies thinking that everything has to be perfect. Everything has to be at at such a high level. And we define that with academic rigor or accomplishing certain things. I think we've got to give ourselves grace that, you know what, this is going to look a little different and it's okay. It's okay that it looks a little different right now, because at the core, think about what all of us truly desire in life. And this is true for children and true for adults. You know, we want to be known and we want to be loved. And so, The thing that's going to matter to the children, to the students, is not what did we accomplish curriculum wise or content wise. It's really was my did my teacher maintain this idea that I know I'm valuable to them and then it matters. And I think that's something that our teachers are great at anyway. But I think in this in this current pandemic, AP after pandemic, we could get lost in the notion that the most important thing is content. When in reality, it's not. And, and, and I think we've got to give ourselves grace in that. That's a it's a really good reminder. And I mean, again, this is not a this hopefully would would have been equally applicable in the PV world or the AV, AP world. The point is, yeah, we just definitely I think that our natural natures come out. So if we are and again, perhaps more inclined to be wired this way in the classical Christian world, are we more um uh, higher expectations on ourselves and on our students. And does that translate in terms of, you know, maybe in other school environments, oh, well, we didn't get to the last five chapters. I guess it doesn't matter. In our world, we feel an obligation to, to do that. And, and that's not bad right. to want to complete things, but maybe right. what's more important to your point is that we, we, we you know, we, we were gracious in that process to ourselves included, which is a really good reminder. Um, well, and I'll tell you, uh, three things I, I hear from teachers right now that are pretty pretty, I think, important to understand. If I was going to put three emotions or or three ideas that teachers are expressing to me, you know, one is a sense of fear and confusion, kind of wondering, you know, what are we really doing and how are we going to pull it off? I especially think that was true about three weeks ago. Uh, The second is doubt. And it's a lot of self-doubt. You know, am I really able to do this? Am I really able to, to get across what I want to get across to my students? And also an added pressure of, you know, goodness, these parents are now in the classroom potentially more than they've ever been. Mm. And I'm even hearing doubt from teachers about, gosh, am I, am I doing a good job? Are these parents going to think I'm doing a good job? And then the third thing is really a sense of it's almost grief or disappointment because they're missing their students, which I think is speaks just volumes of who these teachers are. And in my line of work, when we have increased, negative emotions, you know, whether it's fear, confusion, doubt, uh, kind of feeling disconnected or disappointed, our tendency is to get more, uh, more rigid. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and applying that to this scenario will not work well. And so that's why we really have to accept, Hey, this is different and it's okay. 
So you're saying rigid often leads us to be even more forceful, like on content and things that we feel like we can control. Right. As opposed to connection, which is the very thing that defines us uniquely in our form of education, but it's the thing we're probably having the hardest time actually achieving right now. Right, exactly. Because what happens at, at our core, fear paralyzes us. And when, we're, when we are paralyzed, we default back to control mechanisms and things like that, where really hope is what frees us. And we can have hope in this because we know who really is in charge and we can have the freedom to accept it's going to be a little different and freedom to engage in something that's a little more clunky right now. But even within the clunky, we, you, you're, I'm hearing you say we should also be very purposeful in trying to connect. I mean, and, and, to right. not, and so, but what is connection seems like, you know, maybe just get, and we'll take a break in just a second. But I think the idea around connecting online is already, I mean, again, for most of the, to broadly stereotype the classical folks is a bit, <laughs> a bit Luddite like, like we kind of pride ourselves in our dusty Shakespeare books. And now you're telling me I've got to educate online. It's like everything that we've always thought we were against. Now we're supposed to be for. And in reason, again, lots, lots to unpack in that. But the point is that we are um, cautious of trying to think how far can we go relationally in an online environment, yeah. especially when there's all these quirky things. Like I'm, I'm talking to their kid on their mobile device, which I'm not supposed to talk to them directly on their mobile device, or they're, they're actually right. in their bedroom with their computer, which I don't, you know, how do we, how do we differentiate from appropriate and inappropriate connection online? If that's what we're supposed to be doing? Well, yeah, I think that's a great question. You know, um, you know, the first category we talked about is, is grace. And the second category really is this, it's how do we make connections? Because when we're really trying to get across whether it's education or valuing the student or, you know, caring about the families and the parents, it's really our ability to connect with them. And I think there are a couple of things to think about. You know, one form of that connection is towards the student. Uh, and for me, there's a way to keep it in, in within healthy boundary. Uh, and, and the way we do that is we make those connections public and typically group. You know, that way, if we're doing a Zoom classroom, if we're if we're using another online format, we are seeing our students in a group and we're making that connection in that way. But I think we can affect the quality of that connection, much like the story I told at the beginning uh, of having some of that time just be about them. And really, it's OK to talk with students about personal things in a sense, if it's all common to everyone. You know, we're all going through a common circumstance right now. So that's okay to chat about with students. Yeah. You know, really, what are what's their experience? You know, it's okay to share with them that your family is also going through what they're going through. You know, that's not the type of communication that's really problematic. But I think another form of connection that's more personal is actually not towards the student. It's towards the family. Yeah. You know, I, I have heard story after story after story from parents that a teacher has called their house and checked in with the parents, checked in with the parents, not just to say, you know, how's your child doing, but Hey, how are you guys doing? And you know, what can I pray for you about? Yeah. And the crazy thing is I've also heard from teachers that have done that, how the families have turned that back around on them and said, how are you all doing? How's your family doing? You know, when we demonstrate care and concern in that way, in a more direct way with the family, not necessarily the child, yeah. it's amazing how that connects us better. Well, and I think, again, framing this, I, I saw a quote uh, somebody said uh, with regard to kind of how we're thinking about all this as educators. Look, this is not a snow day and it's not a holiday break. It's a crisis. And when you frame it in that sense of it's a crisis, all of a sudden 
if a tornado hit someone's house, the first thing you're asking is not, did you get all your math problems done? I mean, you'd be asking, (laughs) how are you doing? It's a crisis. And I think we just give it up. It's a crisis. It's not good. And we need to care for each other's humans first, which is, which is freeing, I think, then, and again, not abdicating the responsibility of education, but how do we- Yeah, it's very freeing. Yeah. How do we do that? Well, Keith, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back and look at a couple more very practical solutions uh, for encouraging ways to encourage our teachers and for parents how to come alongside and partner even more with our wonderful teachers and administrators. We'll be right back on this unique episode, pandemic-inspired episode of Basecamp Live. Welcome back to Basecamp Live in the middle of a series we're calling Going the Distance, getting our lives through this unique moment in human history where we're surviving a pandemic. And we're talking about the specific group of people that we hold so dear, our teachers, our administrators. Keith, it's not easy um, making this transition. Somebody said it was like walking into an old stodgy law office and telling all these folks, you've got to be legal Zoom by Friday and everybody's... um, dropping all their law books and running around and no one knows how to create legal Zoom. So that's what we've done to our teachers. Right, right. Well, I tell you, that's, I have to give you an example of that. Uh, a uh, college prep school that I'm very connected to, um, a lot of students from over the years, they decided to do something very similar to that, which was we're going to go completely from the classroom to completely online and our students are going to be plugged in about seven hours a day. <laughs> and which sounds like the same example. And of course, what happened is within three days, half the town parents and the kids sure. were burned out. There was a revolt. Yeah. And you know, it, that, it, that brings us to a whole other category that we are over infused right now with the technology. Yeah. And that's an interesting, it's, it's almost deceptive because somebody said, you know, less is more uh, when it comes to being online. So it seems like it's less amount of time maybe that you're actually having your classes because we're not doing seven hours a day. And yet the, Fatigue. I'm sure there's studies that show, you know, an hour staring at a screen is the equivalent of like a two hours of just being outside and you know, in terms of like the drain on your body and your eyesight and everything else. I don't know what the true number is, but oh, it's I clearly it's 10x, who knows, but it's clearly not an equivalent. So what do we do with this? You're right. So we, we are, a lot of times our, our coping or our entertainment has been digital uh, for those who taught. Now, all of a sudden, do we jump from one digital back to another digital and we, but we're making it worse. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the same thing I'm dealing with with high school students right now is also an issue for teachers, which is you are plugged in more for your education right now than you historically would be. So you really need to unplug when you're not doing your schoolwork. You've got to be more intentional about not pursuing recreation, not recreating with technology, meaning avoiding scrolling through Facebook, plugging in heavily to social media. I mean, it's there's a it's a tough line right now because we want to use, you know, Zoom platforms and FaceTime and things like that while we're quote in quarantine to actually see people, but we really want to avoid plugging in too much to technology. It is so easy for that to happen. You know, it's encouraging. My wife and I've been trying to go on a, a walk every night, which we didn't do uh, in the uh, B BP world um, as often, <laughs> and. Uh, it, she was commenting, my father's commenting, how amazing it is just walking through neighborhoods, a number of people that are out and the number of kids are yeah. playing in their yard. And it is, I think people have figured this out to some extent, which is we got to get out of this house. We got to quit staring at a screen. Yeah. 
And yeah, we have to. We've got to get outside and we've got to get out in the physical world of God's creation. Yeah. And it's amazing what God provides us in that. We have so many more opportunities to enjoy, to relax, to experience things. And when we do that together as a family, it's even more rich. Yeah, that's good. That's good. What else What else can we do, Keith, to kind of keep our sanity here and go the distance? Well, I think the other thing for teachers that I run into a lot is, and this may sound, may not sound great at first, but your students are not your number one priority. You know, they're really not. It, you, your family is your number one priority. And during this time, it is very easy for teachers, and I hear it when I speak to teachers, to think, gosh, my whole focus is pulling off this unbelievable educational experience for my students, and my family's going to be sacrificed for that. Well, and let me add one more. I don't know, I'm sure people are probably thinking this. I mean, we don't really know fully what the fall is going to hold. I mean, I, I, I'm optimistic. I think it could be, um, you know, a renewal and, and, and everything revives and comes back. I think probably as teachers and administrators, there's a little bit of that nagging fear that, A, what if this thing comes back again? Um, a, I'd have to keep the online thing going, but B, what if our schools face, you know, some transitions? What if they're not hiring everybody they were once hiring? And what does that look like? And, you know, and so I right. wonder if that adds to that pressure. I'm sure it does. If I've got to really be top of my game because I don't want to be the one that gets cut if they make a cut. I mean, right. so that, that right. sense of like, I, I really, I want my family to be first, but right now I got to, I got to keep my job or, or I'm carrying the job for my spouse whose job is definitely being questioned right now. So you've got that variable too. Oh, you absolutely do. And I think, unfortunately, what that does for us, it can put us again, what we talked about towards the beginning, into that panic and fear mode. And then we focus, unfortunately, on the wrong thing and try to be too controlling or too perfectionistic with the wrong thing and then actually sacrifice the connection with our family, sacrifice our own well-being. And in the long run, we're, we're no better off. We're in a worse position. Right. So you're saying don't wait. I mean, this is obvious. You can't wait for things to kind of be better whatever that means to finally get around to doing things with your family. Like they just come first, no matter how you're feeling about it right now. Right. Your family has to come first. And really, and a subset of that is really, you have got to make sure you're taking care of yourself. I mean, this will sound like, I mean, this will sound like old news to everybody, but it's really important for teachers. Keep a healthy routine, get in bed, make sure you're getting the sleep you need, make sure you're engaging the day, make sure you're getting up, getting ready for the day, just like you would as if, as if you were going to the physical school. When we start our day like that, it's amazing, amazing how much more engaged we are. The number of employees, not just teachers. I mean, I had a, a teletherapy session right before this with a government employee who is working from home. And her comment to me was, I had to realize after the first two weeks that if I stay in pajamas and fuzzy slippers, I'm not getting any work done. My mind is not right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I probably could have told her that after the first two days, but she said, you know, I've really, I, I had to realize I've got to get up and act like I'm actually going to work. Yeah. And she said, when I did that and engaged the day, it forced me to look at myself and realize I can't stay up late. I still need to eat healthy. I still need to have regular activity. And when I started taking better care of myself, all of a sudden the burden of working yeah. from home a lot less. Well, and you know, corporate America, I remember back in the nineties, it was kind of where would you want to work thing and everybody realized productivity dropped and everybody's wearing, you know, Hawaiian shirts around all day. I mean, so that, that I think does, it seems simple. Maybe it's obvious to some people, but it, I think it's really important to you. And I think just like we say to our, it's ironically, it's a lot of what we would say to a parent about their children 
Like, you know, when they get home from school, they shouldn't do their homework in their bed and they shouldn't be, you know, like just have a routine. It makes sense. Habits are good things. Yeah. Habits, habits are great things. And it's really a time right now for us to say and really evaluate, you know, how are my habits uh, during this time? You know, it's interesting talking about habits again, back to the very, the very core nature of what it means to be a classical Christian school. I often, um, cite Charlotte Mason, who I believe to be a very much a, a classical Christian thinker. And she, um, in many ways, I think adds a lot of the elements in terms of the methodology to, to classical Christian education that, you know, we have great books and things, but how do we actually deliver the great books? And one of the things that she talks a good bit about is habit formation. Nine out of 10 things she says in life are habits. Go home and try to brush your teeth. You always stick the brush on one side of your mouth and not the other. So how do we continue to form habits? And here's what I want to, this is a really exciting opportunity. How do we create new habits? Um, because we are going to be doing this for more than 30 days. So we've got more than 30 days to create a new habit for our family, for ourselves, for our students. What does that look like? Yeah, well, I let me reframe that question a little bit, because I, I think it's what I'm running into a lot with folks that are patients. Um, we've fallen into the mindset culturally right now that we are to survive this pandemic. And that is not what I'm focusing on with patients. You know, when I'm dealing with patients, this is not about how you survive this. It's how you learn to thrive in this. Because we have a wonderful opportunity to really reset how we live. You know, life has slowed down just a bit. We have a great pause. While there are many difficult things in it, we have a pause to where we can decide we're going to do some things differently. When I say reset, I don't mean reset back to the way we used to do it. I mean, we have an opportunity to reset to the design that God has given us about what life should look like. And, and that's the opportunity we have. And so it's really not about, gosh, how am I going to survive this? It's, wait a minute, let me look at all of this and say, how can I better thrive so that when the pandemic is over, when we're AP after pandemic, right. um, we're actually not just living differently, we're living well. You know, we're not in survival mode, we're in thrive mode. So what does that look like, Keith? We just a few minutes here. I mean, obviously you've said some things on this uh, in our talk today. I mean, sleeping is actually a very important thing to do, to eat well, to get dressed in the morning. I mean, just some of these maybe hopefully in a more common sense category. But what what should we be leveraging this? Because you're right, I, I've i got all three of my kids at home, my college daughter's home. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm relishing this in many ways. I know it's going to be over, Lord willing, sooner than later in terms of getting out of the pandemic, not being with my family. But what could I, what can I have created during this time as a parent, as an educator that would go the distance? Oh my goodness. I'll give you three or four things that I'm already hearing from parents that they're starting to value in ways they never imagined. You know, number one would be actually breaking bread together. I've had parent after parent after parent saying, I have forgotten how initially how difficult, but what a value it is to have all of us sitting around a table together, not rushing to get to ballet, not rushing to get to basketball, not rushing to get to, you know, whatever it may be, just the value of that time without technology, without distraction. That's one huge one yeah. I've heard. Yeah. Another one that I've heard is, the value of our kids not being so scheduled and hurried. And I had one mom tell me last week, she said, it's amazing to me. My son has started commenting on the birds that are in our yard that have always been in our yard that he's never commented on before. And he's like 14. Yeah. So it's not that he's never seen them. 
My son said it's something sim- literally this morning said to me, dad, I've never really noticed spring. I usually just sort of wake up and I go through my classes and it's summertime. And I'm thinking, right. Wow. It's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, my daughter made a comment recently. She said, you know, this is like God gave us a giant timeout. Maybe we need to reflect. <laughs> <laughs> and it, She's and, right. and it, we really do. Yeah. We need to reflect and say, goodness, what, what have we done with life? Instead of experiencing life as God would direct us to or intends, we're trying to squeeze everything out of yeah. life. Well, and, making, and this is an opportunity to slow it down. Well, and to make connections to, to some of the points we've made before, just people who've said, gosh, I've got time to check in with an old college roommate or whatever it may be. But in- Right, and that's the, that, that would be the third thing I would tell you right now I'm hearing from people is we are rekindling valuable relationships because we now have the time to have real conversations. Yeah. And, and, and so by slowing things down, unfortunately it has taken something like, uh, you know, coronavirus to do it. Yeah. But by us slowing down a hair, it's amazing what we're realizing our current life offers us yeah. that we've been missing. Yeah. You know, I feel like we should almost just do a whole podcast on, you know, the, uh, the call it the what ifs going to, <laughs> what if we tried this, where, you know, where is this? <laughs> Cause there's so many opportunities to hit pause, rethink whether that's hitting pause in our spiritual life and just having more time to kind of do a little bit more soul searching than maybe we've done in the, in the rush or whether it's the times with our families at home. You know, Keith, I'll even mention too, one of the things I've been working on, uh, working with the Society for Classical Learning is, you know, we've got a, a huge conference that we do every summer, uh, like the ACCS does. And one of the challenges this year is we can't all get together. So we're doing a massive, massive, exciting pivot to digital. And yeah. one of the things that that's going to allow is literally educators from around the world can connect with each other in environments that are interactive and dynamic. And I can't explain it all right now. People can investigate what more is coming. Um, the Society for Classical Learning's uh, conference we're announcing all this next week. But now all of a sudden you can have third grade teachers literally from around the world in, in, a, in a common environment together, interacting and sharing ideas and connecting. And I don't think, I think it's, it's the jump start of we're a little bit more familiar now with the Zoom world and connecting like that. We're a little less um, maybe intimidated by it. And now we're realizing we need these connections. And boy, we can all of a sudden right. start working collaboratively in ways we could have never done before. I'm so excited about this as a long-term impact, as a, as a resource for teachers. I think God's using this in incredible ways to form these new habits and opportunities. Yeah, you know, I think we're realizing right now the value of our peer connections while we're going through something difficult. But I think that's just scratching the surface yeah. of the value of those peer connections. That's right. That's just right. like you're saying, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity for us to grow as a community even more than we have before. Yeah. So that's really, that's really you know, true. One of the things, if I was going to sum up kind of what we've talked about with teachers, I think I would have to say this, you know, I'd have to say, you know, to teachers who are listening, number one, relax, you're doing a great job. You know, it, you're doing a great job. Who you are to these children that you're working to change their education online, they already know who you are. Just relax. Do what you do. Don't stress too much about it rather than thinking you have to check 20 boxes every day with them. That's a great reminder. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if this, again, I can, I can point with cite the source of this statistic, but they say, you know, he, as humans, we remember after a month, like 3% of what we've heard anyhow. And this is a big downer, I guess, to an educator. It's like, <laughs> wow, they're not, I mean, do you remember most of your lectures in high school? Probably not. But what you remember is your teacher and you remember positively or negatively things that were said and done and, and just, they, did they care for oh, yeah. me? And I think that you're right. I mean, we're all here to be known and to be loved and 
yes, we're also here to, to deliver an education, but it's a season for grace and a season for connection. And I thank you so much, Keith, for this reminder. It's certainly encouraging to me and, and hopefully to all of our listeners. And I do want to in- invite, as we pointed out at the beginning with a wonderful email Sheila sent us, if you are listening um, and you have questions or comments or uh, just uh, would love to let us know where you're listening from. Just email us info at basecamplive.com. And, and Keith sees those emails as well as I do. And it's just a great way to uh, build community and connection. So maybe we need to do a Zoom call for all our Basecamp listeners, Keith. Maybe that's <laughs> what we need. <laughs> we'll have to see about that. Well, we do invite people to join us next next time. We'll be coming back for part three of this four-part series looking at uh, the life of upper schoolers, high schoolers, and college kids in our home. Unique opportunity and some unique challenges. And Keith will be back to bring all the answers. So. Keith, thanks so much for being with us. (laughs) Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks again for listening to this episode of Basecamp Live. You know, the vision of this podcast is that it's meant to be a conversation. And I do a lot of the talking, but I would love to hear from you because I know that these episodes are inspiring to parents and teachers and really anyone who is interested in investing in the next generation. So I want to invite you right now to email info at basecamplive.com. Let me know where you're listening from. Let me know any thoughts or comments you have. And I do want to say a special welcome to our many international subscribers who are all over the world. If you're not following us on social media, check us out on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and sign up for our newsletter at BasecampLive.com. I'm also traveling and visiting schools all around the country now, consulting, training, and connecting. Let me know where you are. I'd love to visit and bring the Basecamp Roadshow to your school. Blessings to you, and thanks for listening.